0: the covid protests in china. So over the past 2 weeks there have been many lockdown protests in china. Many of these protests they were led by students at different universities. Jerry, what's one thought you had about this whole situation?
1: Uh, my main thought was like if anyone if if anyone is going to enact change through mass protests you know i guess i'm gonna go with the country that has the biggest population on earth <laughs>
0: yeah that's <true. laughs>
1: Welcome to the Politically Asian podcast, where two Asian-American comedians talking about politics and the Asian-American community in hopes of getting more Asians to talk about politics. We're coming at you live from Brooklyn, New York. My name is Jerry Lim. My pronouns are they, them, and you can find me across the internet at Jerryaki. That's G-E-R-R-I-E-Y-A-K-I. And my co-host...
0: Hey, my name is Aaron Yin. My pronouns are he, him, and you can find me on social media at Aaron Flarin. That's A-A-R-O-N-F-L-A-R-I-N.
1: All right. So we're going to start with our opening segment, Practice What You Preach. So on this pod, we talk a lot about politics, but it's also important to do things. So each week we share one thing we did related to politics and or organizing. Um, and this week I'll go first. So first I was going to say, I didn't really do anything because it was a mix of my birthday. And then I also traveled internationally for the first time in three years. But then I remembered before all of that, I submitted a comment to the Federal Register. Um, I submitted a public comment. If You don't know what that is. It's like when they propose a rule or some regulation, you have 30 to 60 days to submit a comment to federalregister.gov. Theoretically, it is an opportunity to make your voice heard. Um, I would say imagine a YouTube comments section, but worse. Um, I don't know if if people actually read them, but it's fun. It's fun to pretend that someone does. So, yeah.
0: Cool. Okay. Well, first, happy birthday. Thank (laughs) you. Thank you. I mean, I wasn't sure (laughs) if you were going to mention it on the pod, so I was like, I wasn't going to mention it unless you said something. Happy birthday. Thank Um, you. Thank you. For this federal register thing, um, was there like one specific bill that you commented on? Like, what was the context for that?
1: yeah, so I'm not gonna read out the full title because it's it's very long. I should have written down the docket number because that's how they, that's an easier way to find them. but uh, basically it is about um, production quotas for controlled substances. as you you know, if you're new to this pod, I am on Adderall and I will sing its praises until I die. Yes, it's easily abused, blah 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 blah. Um, and the TLDR is that the uh, DEA, Uh, I forgot what that stands for. Something about drugs, administration. I forgot what the E is. Do you know what the E is? Enforcement? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, Whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, So the DEA, um, or AKA, you know, the bad guys in Breaking Bad, um, they publish quotas basically on how much um, certain ingredients can be used by pharmaceutical manufacturers. And this federal register docket thing, was about opioids like pain medications and stimulants, which are typically attention deficit drugs. And basically that's what was causing the shortage was because the DEA had imposed pretty tight limits on like how much pharmaceuticals could be produced, certain pharmaceuticals could be produced. And with the whole like um, pandemic and you know certain tech startups that were over prescribing, there weren't enough medications to go around and basically people were leaving comments, leaving public comments to beg the DEA to uh, raise the caps on those ingredients. So, yeah. Mm,
0: Okay. That makes sense. When Mm -hmm. did they vote on this? Or you said 60 days?
1: Yeah. It's like 30 to 60 days. They, they'll, they have to figure it out before the new year, I think is how it goes. yeah, yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Everything's wrapping up like in the next like one week, maybe in terms of like Congress stuff before Probably, winter break. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's cool. I, like I never if they knew they you could do that. They have a winter break
1: like school. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> they have a lot of breaks, dude. It's, like, mm, it's on taxpayer money. Yeah. That's cool. I, I didn't even know you could do that. That was a cool little bit of um knowledge right there. Nice.
1: Yeah. It's it's pretty cool. You can also read other people's comments Um, and it's. It's a good way to like also learn about both sides, other people's point of view, and I'll I'll end my my little thing with this is that it was it was a wild ride because it was like oh if I don't get my drugs, brain stop working, which is like oh, you yeah. know <laughs> sad and bad. But then yeah. like there were there were other comments. Um, from the folks who needed like opioids and it was like i would literally rather die but you guys don't help us do that either like euthanasia and stuff <laughs> like that and i was like this is really dark and yeah. wow dystopian but yeah
0: that is a lot like the youtube comment section is there an up, uh, up vote and downvote feature
1: no, there is oh. not. There's literally there's literally no interaction. Like you can't even oh. like you can't even like um agree. You can't like I guess like you could copy and paste someone's comment. I don't know if there's anything like that. Um and I'm surprised no one's invented a bot to like write spam. Yeah, write spam yeah. for these.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's funny. <laughs> yeah.
1: How was your week?
0: It was good. So before Thanksgiving, sorry, right after Thanksgiving, I did the usual Sunday mocha picket. This one was also a little bit different, mainly because um, I found out that my own court summons from the NYPD had been dismissed. Woo. So that just, yay, that just meant all eight of the people who had been on the picket line, who had gotten tickets, you know, were all eight out of eight, right? That's the, the, a. <laughs> the, the Asian number, right? 100% yeah. dismissed. And I thought it was important just because um Ke and Abang, they um, are both restaurant workers. Uh, Abang used to work at Jingfong. O I used to work at Tasty noodle house. Okay. um they were the first two to get t- um court summons. They're also just both um elderly Chinese men in like their sixties at least. Mm-hmm. But I think for them they were really happy and they they bought a whole bunch of sponge cakes and coffee for the picket line to celebrate <laughs> yeah. and I was like, this you know i I you know I know in the grand scheme of things it seems kind of small, just like a you know a noise thing, and the n y p d coming to collect these drums and saying we're you know illegally protesting or whatever. But for them, I feel like it really changed everything. You know, I think maybe they saw, like, the value of organizing and the victory felt really valuable. I feel like that's kind of what organizing is about. You know, it's a very long-term thing, and you slowly Mm -hmm. change hearts and change minds. So it was pretty exciting to be there, just, you know, still on the picket line, but kind of celebrating. And they give small speeches as well. I'm just talking about what it meant to them. And, yeah.
1: That's nice. Yeah, I feel like, you know, it's... it's uh... What's that saying? It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. I don't know. I'm bad at sports.
0: Yeah, no, <laughs> um, exactly.
1: but, but yeah, something like that. Um, That's good. Congrats.
0: Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think especially for longer term, you know, pickets like this, it's important to celebrate the milestones mm. um, to keep going. But I, I truly felt like they were really, really excited. And, you know, it, just for I mean, two years ago, all of us, you know, me and them and many other people had never done any you know organizing at all in Chinatown right and now it's like yeah. 2 years later here we all are it's like wow what a what a journey
1: yeah i feel like that's that's a good point um one that i feel like it's good for our mental health cuz um especially like sometimes it can just be so doom and gloom it's also good to celebrate wins even if they're small uh i always end my therapy sessions with like a 5 minute of joy
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um so i feel like that's similar and um yeah i feel like wow that's like such a major milestone like not only did you like Get in like some legal trouble. You also got cleared of some legal trouble. Like that's yeah. a big milestone. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah, and for people who want more context, just search like Museum of Chinese in America protests or follow Youth Against Displacement. But yeah, super super exciting, and um, I think it has given us a lot of momentum to just keep going and expand.
1: Hell yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. All right, so let's go into the news for this week. Uh, this week in Asian American politics, the first topic we're talking about. Mayor Eric Adams, you know, in New York City, directs the NYPD and first responders to involuntarily take mentally ill people to the hospitals. Um, Jerry, what is one thought you had about this story? Who asked for this?
1: Like, (laughs) like the cops are already saying, like, oh, we do so much, you know, and like, I imagine if you're pro cop, it's, it's a lot like, okay, well, you know, they already have to know the full extent of the law. And now you're telling them they also have to be therapists. Like yeah. that's, you know, like who who is asking for this? I, it, It's not not good. Not good. Yeah. What about you? <laughs>
0: um, I mean, I definitely feel like it's, you know, top cop Eric Adams asking for this right now because he's, he's trying to get those subway crime numbers low. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you that cops are not well equipped to handle this i would say Mm -hmm. there are some statistics on you know even when when cops interact with mentally ill people there was like a 25 percent chance they were going to get shot or holy shit it it was i forgot it was which article i think it was a gothamist one but that was the 25 percent number exactly was surprising but the general phenomenon was not um because like there's so (laughs) many like there's so many viral Mm -hmm. videos on twitter of like nypd interacting with mentally ill people and it going bad Mm -hmm. you know um, yeah,
1: I mean, like, a one in four chance is, like, that's that's pretty high, I would say. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to start by just saying I am surprised that more Asian Americans are not talking about this. Because part of the reason that Eric Adams is doing all this is for sure because of, you know, like, Michelle Go, right? Like, like oh, yeah. the, her, her name was mentioned in many of these articles, um, mm-hmm. you know, talking about New York City's mental, you know, having a lot of mentally ill people. Um, mm-hmm. So I was just a little surprised that it didn't really make the discourse. I guess the World Cup is happening right now, but still.
1: <laughs> it's because, I mean, I feel like, yeah, I mean, if there are mentions of Michelle Go, I am a little surprised at that. But overall, there's no uh, mention of anything overtly Asian outside of that, maybe. And then, I mean, you could dive into the whole Asian-American mental health stigma. Yeah. <laughs> thing. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I will say, you know, just kind of peeling this back one by one. I think one of the more like red flag parts of this is that the word involuntarily, right? So it's it's people just looking for mentally ill people on the street and then they get to self-evaluate whether they think that mentally ill person is, you know, quote, like able to take care of themselves and if not they get sent to a hospital. But it's very like I, I was reading that like how do you how do you know how to do that, right? It's like I truly had no idea, like like they're alive. they can clearly keep themselves alive, but I was just really confused, like what um did you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I was reading the Gothamist article, I think that was about it, and it said the city directives kind of outlined it as unawareness or delusional misapprehension of surroundings. I was like, so a tourist like,
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like what do you mean
1: <laughs> um it's it's very not good I, I thought Eric Adams' reasoning for it like. It sounds good on paper, but just hearing whose mouth it came out of was very not good. He was like, Oh, the city has a moral quote a moral obligation to help these people. And it's just like, ah, that's why you bulldoze those encampments in January. That's to help them. (laughs) Right. Of course. Silly me.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Like you know, we we pair this intention with not only the bulldozing, it was like the BQE tent encampments. And then also just the fact that New York City in general, they had a huge um, budget cut uh, mm. in terms of it was a huge budget cut in terms of the behavioral health emergency assistance response division or be heard which which was the main team responsible for sending actual mental health professionals to talk mm-hmm. with mentally ill people instead of the police cool <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's like one of the main cool. things right? because like it, even the first article I, I mentioned with the title they were saying oh police and first responders but Um, honestly speaking, it's going to be majority police because the budget has been cut for everyone else.
1: Yeah. And like, I felt like this was like a good, uh, topic to dig into like, um, emergency services in New York. Cause like, I've, I didn't, I guess like, I didn't realize how that works. Um, I was reading an article that said that the EMS system in New York is split up between private hospitals, the fire department. And nonprofit hospitals, so it's really hard to coordinate. You know, sending out ambulances and stuff like that, psychiatric services, et cetera. And then, like a lot of these people who like work on those ambulances, on those response teams, make like minimum wage. So uh, I don't know, asking asking them to pick up people who don't even want to be there. I feel like that's really asking them to get hurt. And for what yeah. seventeen, eighteen dollars an hour? Like that's awful, yeah. awful, for everyone.
0: Yeah, it seems like there's so much trouble just on the first half, you know, talking to people and trying to convince them to go to hospitals. And then the worst part is also on the supply side. Um, So like New York City has very few psychiatric beds right now. So before COVID, I believe it was 2020, they had over a thousand. But after COVID, they had to clear out a lot of these bed spaces. And there's only like about 200 left. So nice. it, it, it's like a huge reduction. And every single article we were reading has just talked about this supply, um, like supply side issue. So it's like, yeah, sure. Even if you get all these mentally ill people to go to hospitals and they do want to stay somewhere, somewhere there's nowhere for them to stay. Like there's no investment in beds or, you know, mental health housing. So mm-hmm. it, it seems like a, you know, a program that did not plan the logistics side very well.
1: Yeah, I thought that was like really re- like... I have never understood. I've never seen someone who is like understood an assignment less than Eric Adams, because like, didn't we just <laughs> have a migrant crisis? Like, because they were saying like uh, yeah, once true. once uh, a patient has like someone's been through a psychiatric institution and like they've been discharged, they're supposed to go to a homeless shelter afterwards. And like it was just like article after article of like, oh, there's not enough space in the homeless shelters. So where are these people supposed to go? Who's uh, yeah. going to take care of them? Like, it's just it's just yeah bad very bad yeah
0: no yeah for real i mean i was thinking analogies it's like okay let's see let's say you're a restaurant and you have 10 tables total but you take like 500 reservations for that night it's like no way right like you have a huge (laughs) issue going on right now it's like (laughs) that makes no sense um and yeah just um just talking to friends um i have one friend who's a social worker who works at a hospital um my partner's sister is a nurse and they're all very worried about the You know, like, how are we going to handle this? We have no supplies. We have no money. (laughs) Uh, They're just going to be, they're just going to show up at the door and then just be released like a few days later, max.
1: Yeah. There's, there's very clearly like no communication, no, um, no working together on it. Like there was a, you know, I, the New York post can be hit or miss sometimes, but there was like a scathing article they dropped about it that like they were saying like the nypd was like super blindsided by this they did not know this announcement was happening but the mayor's office was like no the nypd knows we've been talking about it with them for a long time and then the police commissioner was like absent from uh, eric adams announcement and like when they were asking like the the press like asked like oh where's the police commissioner i we feel like she should be here on an announcement about the nypd eric adams was like she's she's like under the weather you know which I, i'm so sorry she can't come and then supposedly less than two hours later she was spotted at a public event looking very happy and healthy uh, so she's cured <laughs>
0: <laughs> what's uh, going on just a quick a quick little nap and some cough drops you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but, yeah i you know, I, I am hoping that more Asian Americans will talk about this issue because everyone's like, Oh, crime in New York city. We need to do something about our mentally ill population. And this is like the perfect entryway to talk about it. Right. And you kind of learn more about why it's like, I feel, I feel like everyone wants the same thing. It's like, Oh yeah, we should give mentally ill people, you know, housing and treatment. And then this is why we cannot right now.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, here's the hoping, seeing what happens with that, you know, (laughs) um, talking about more Asian Americans in New York City, we're looking at this article that was published by the city and uh, this article found that city funds for uh, to fight hate crimes remain a mystery. So the Office for the Prevention of Hate Crimes, which is uh, a division of the Mayor's Office of Criminal Justice, they they had like $1 million that they were giving out in the form of like 20K grants to like Dozens of community groups to counter um, ethnicity-based attacks. These things were called innovation grants, um, and it was to incentivize <laughs> incentivize solutions to combat hate crimes. Which was so funny to me because it feels like they're really trying to like bootstrap startup Y combinator their way out of racism.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but whatever, um, Aaron. What were your thoughts on this?
0: I was gonna say, yo, this is. They're awarding this amount, you know, these little grants for people who have entrepreneurial ideas. This felt like some kind of episode of Shark Tank, but for hate crimes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I would pay to <laughs> see that. Sharks, yeah. <laughs> new <No> idea. <laughs> but yeah. So many innovation grants, usually about 20K each. And the whole issue is that two years since they've started this, there hasn't been a single group that's got any money. And no one knows what happened to the money either, which is is pretty suspicious when i read that i was like i feel like either some city officials or some nonprofit groups you know just pocketed this money without doing anything that was my number one guess um what did you think
1: yeah i mean how do you lose one million dollars i mean like i guess it's easier to lose if it's like in 20k increments but like was no one bookkeeping like what happened like the office it, there was like a deadline that was, which is why someone looked into it, but like the deadline to like reveal like the winners and everything was this past June. And like the office has like had radio silence. Yeah. Um, so. Somebody definitely
0: just got a big Christmas bonus. Like let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. no. And you know, I know earlier we were talking about police in New York city. And I think part of what's important about the innovation grants is that uh So these grants were meant to encourage individuals, groups, nonprofits to create projects to address hate crimes through non-law enforcement um, means. So, like, non-police means. And it's like, of course, like, the amount of money you spent for solutions not involving police somehow mysteriously disappeared. (laughs) And I was like, oh, of course. Uh, It just has to be that one. But it's pretty odd. It's pretty odd. I'm also surprised Asian people are not talking about this one. I'm sure... There are some Asian nonprofits who might have profited from this.
1: That's what I'm saying. They didn't they didn't market it correctly. Like if you had marketed it as like a Y combinator startup thing, like <laughs> we we'd be all over that. Just say it's like a product design challenge. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. I know separately, um, New York City, they did give three million dollars to six groups. Like this is completely separate from the one million for integration grants. But mm-hmm. at the time, de Blasio had given these six groups, um, it was the anti-violence project. Arab American Association, of New York, Asian American Federation, Hispanic Federation, Jewish Community Relations Council, and the 67th Precinct Clergy Council. Okay. Those six groups got three mil, and I'm kind of wondering if another possibility is the innovation grants just all got merged with that.
1: Well, that would be that would be s- still really bad though, right? Because you said it was under De Blasio, and uh, yeah, we're talking I about mean, Eric Adams now.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's 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 pretty interesting, like. When you Google about this, there's truly no news. So it's just a big Yeah, you know, it's just like a what do you think happened with this one million? But but it is pretty interesting to guess about.
1: Yeah. I saw like they published the the Office of for the Prevention of Hate Crimes, like published a report. It was called like How New York City has fought back against anti Asian hate crimes. I don't know if you saw that report. Nope. <laughs> um Yeah, I just, I feel like, so I I kind of flipped through the report and there's, there's like metrics in there, but it's, it's more about like what they did. Like we did, you know, these 10 things we put out these 20,000, you know, whatever, but they don't really have numbers on like whether anything worked, um, which I think is suspicious. So (laughs) (laughs) there's that that's out there.
0: (laughs) But yeah, hopefully um the city and again, oh by the city we mean the magazine, the city, not yeah. <laughs> the government. <laughs> hopefully the city.nyc uh does more research into this and finds an answer. But yeah, it's it's just pretty interesting. It's like what happened to the one million dollars.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to the episode so far. Um if you like it. Uh, maybe pause right here and give us five stars on either Apple or Spotify. It really helps the pot out um, and it's free. Um, but if you have some money to toss our way, consider subscribing to our Patreon. Uh, we're currently fundraising to get uh, transcripts for our podcast episodes to make them more accessible. Hire a video editor and hopefully get Canva Premium to deliver better memes. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, now back to the episode.
0: All right, moving on to the third topic for today. Um, Next, we're covering a pretty big topic, the COVID protests in China. So for some context, over the past two weeks, there have been many lockdown protests in China. Um, Protests against the lockdown and zero COVID, they have happened before, just not to this scale. Many of these protests, they were led by students at different universities that's maybe enough starting context. Um Jerry's Jerry, what's one thought you had about this whole situation?
1: I mean, you know, we put like five to six different articles um <laughs> in in our uh document. Uh I would say like my main thought was like if anyone if if anyone is going to enact change through mass protests you know i guess i'm gonna go with the country that has the biggest population on earth
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah true. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah a lot of people in china um yeah i will say you know i'm, I'm sure you've also just been following twitter and seeing a lot of yeah. people's takes like for me like my my current take on this is definitely to not try and let this be like a well, well, China's doing still be- doing better than America. So it's not that yeah. you know, I think not that kind of geopolitical discounting of what's going on. Like I think a lot about the fact that, you know, I still have a lot of family in China. Right. And I-, I have talked with them a little bit about the lockdown. And I don't think they're out there. Like my my aunt and uncle um over there, they're all retired. So I don't I don't imagine they're outside protesting since it mainly seems like a young people thing. But mm-hmm. there's a general sense of like frustration and annoyance because on their side, they've had, you know, zero COVID for about three years now. A- yeah. And in America, you know, before protesting, right? It's been like, yeah. it's been a while. And for context for us, like, dude, we couldn't even make it past like six months, you know? <laughs> Do you remember that? It, like it seems like a fever dream at this point. Like, I, I barely remember this, but it was like, even before January 6th, you know, like in, in that summer, there are so many white people protesting different capitals all across the country you mm-hmm. know they you know and and back then there was no covid like pandemic relief like the stimulus checks were not that great so i just like from a i guess a family perspective it's like yeah y'all have been doing this for way longer and every other country in the world is not doing this anymore so i from that perspective i'm like i i get the frustration
1: yeah i thought i thought that's a really good perspective i thought i felt similar like just um uh, from a um as both an Asian person and someone who is studied public health, I do feel like it was like the almost extreme opposite end of the spectrum. Um, Like I want, I want COVID regulation and I want masking, but I don't know if I want it (laughs) China bad. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like I, um, yeah, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with like all the frolicking we do these days. Um, But I, I do, I, I can understand why it's a a lot of young people protesting which is what i'm gathering from all the stuff i've been reading is like it's a lot of young people protesting because when i think about myself even you know the quarantine that we did have i do think about that as like kind of years we lost like we that was like my mid-20s indoors yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah
0: i guess what's also important to mention is that what really i mean there have been protests in china in the past about this but what started this one was one particular incident in Urumqi, that's the capital of xinjiang where you know there's been a lot of you know before there's talking a lot about uyghurs in china but this Mm -hmm. was their capital and there was one building that caught on fire and 10 people died um and many people are saying how this is because there was that lockdown and many people were Mm -hmm. confined to that building so they they could not escape and they that's why they died and that's what triggered everyone who had a very similar memory of also being locked in a building and fearing for health problems or death. That was like the, you know, the, the spark.
1: Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Cause it reminded me of like, do you remember like at the very beginning of the pandemic there were, you would hear like these cases, it wasn't as, you know, as, um, grand of a scale as like a building fire but there were, you would hear about like these elderly asian people like i remember reading about this like one elderly asian person who like i think had a heart attack or was like something happened to him and like no one helped him because they were afraid of getting covid like oh, this yeah. was like in america you remember that, that? Was in, yeah. i think
0: that was in australia actually but oh, i remember that okay. yeah, yeah yeah but it was western like it was back, yeah western world but this, this was back when Oh, we, we really didn't know anything about COVID and everyone was like, oh, yeah. Asian people have COVID. Don't touch the right. Asian person. Yeah, it was. Right. I remember that story. That was like one of the very first ones. But yeah, I mean, I, I understand it and it's it's not just happening in college and residential places, but there was also Foxconn, which is the main factor in making iPhones for everyone in the world. They also had a protest over COVID safety, but it just seems like everything's happening right there. But I mean, I, I understand it. Like I, I kind of always think about that SpongeBob meme, you know, where it's, it's Squidward looking out from his window at SpongeBob, <laughs> at SpongeBob and Patrick running. Outside. Yeah, it's like that meme, and and I, and I think like China and America have kind of flipped on this back and forth because like back in 2021 or 2020, like I remember watching this video of like a concert in Wuhan yes and, and, yeah and, and we in america were all looking jealously at that happening like yeah. damn like like china knows like china they're doing great like they know what the fuck they're doing and now i think it's a little bit of the reverse where yeah china's like why are we the only ones doing zero covid and being so strict when everyone else is like doing the opposite
1: yeah fuck it yeah yeah
0: personally i think that the government will start relaxing a bit like oh interesting
1: as so far you as think this re- will change things
0: I mean, not, not, I'm sure not like a 180, but like I was just reading even the responses from other articles. They were like, oh, Beijing has signaled that it will start to roll back restrictions, but Mm. you know, it it may get worse if the government fails to recognize the depth of popular unhappiness. I feel like the TLDR is like, yeah, they will do something like they listen a little bit.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that's a really good, I feel like that's a really good quote. Cause like I was reading an article and I feel like that's like a more succinct way to say it, but, um, There was like an article from NBC Asian America and the author wrote about how uh, the protesters are responding to a broken social contract between the CCP and the people. This is a contract that guarantees people's livelihoods in exchange for their consent to be ruled. And I feel Mm. like that's like a really good summation of the situation um, in, in that like the people are so unhappy that, you know, they're actually seriously doing something loud about it to the point that the CCP has to, like, kind of take it seriously.
0: Yeah. I do see there are also a lot of protests happening around the world about this. Um, Mm. To me, that's surprising because it's, like... I feel like that's where the geopolitics really comes into this because it's like uh, you know we don't have global protests against other countries for failing to manage COVID. Ooh, you
1: know, okay. like when,
0: like in America in like 2020 and 2021 when you know we were hitting a million and now more than a million deaths, there weren't like protests in like England and India and you know everywhere <laughs> else saying like oh like America's government's so bad like we're standing in solidarity with America American citizens because their governments abandoned them. Like, There's nothing like that. So I, I do get a little confused when I read about like, oh, like, yeah, you know, there are Chinese students at like Harvard and in Chicago, like protesting in support. And I'm like, uh, that that to me right now is a little confusing just because like, uh, I feel like it's only because of the geopolitics of U.S. and China.
1: Yeah, I mean, I will say I'm not surprised by the, the fact other countries weren't really like protesting the American government just because it's like. Nah, the americans are stupid like yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like that that's not a surprise <laughs> to us we're we're we are we we can not help them um yeah. so i'm not i'm not surprised no one you know protested on our, our behalf um <laughs> it's not like we're known for being exceptionally nice or anything like that uh, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah i agree with you that it's definitely like geopolitics at play um and i think like that's the note that i want to leave on is like just definitely watching it but also like You know, kind of uh, critically looking at like uh, the Western media that we like read it through, right? Like, yeah, uh, I feel like it's going to be as an opportunity to be like, look, communism bad, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I feel like it's, yeah, I I feel to me, I feel like that's not necessary. Just it's like, yo, just we just acknowledge the basic material conditions of people in China. Like, that's right. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So moving on, we're coming back to the United States to discuss the railroad strike. So I'm, I'm really excited because um, I think living w- with a subway and then not having any kind of train when I visit other parts kind of makes me forget about trains every now and then. But I thought this topic was like really interesting and important to know about. So some context, I'll try to keep it somewhat succinct if I can. Uh, the TLDR is that railroad workers were threatening to strike because they've been in negotiations with their unions and the companies about, you know, their contracts and stuff, and they don't have paid sick time. They, the workers are, their, their demands are four days of paid sick time. Companies won't give them that. Okay, so uh, Biden has urged congressional leaders to do something, do anything. Uh, they, had an, they had an agreement. Um And if they didn't like sign or pass that agreement by December 9th, the railroad workers would strike and not work. Um, this is especially bad because it's the holiday season. It would cost two billion dollars a day, blah, blah blah. Um, and Congress um, basically has some special powers and can force an agreement between the unions and the companies. Um, and basically, Biden signed legislation. On Friday, which forced those companies and workers to get along, and that agreement had no sick day whatsoever. All right, that's the context. Aaron, what are your thoughts? <laughs>
0: yeah, um, yeah. So I guess let's peel this one off, you know, one later time. So first, with like worker demands. So I was so surprised. Okay, I, I take that back. I was surprised <laughs> to just hear about how bad the working conditions. Or, you know different railroad engineers was. So for context, you know, like Jerry mentioned, they're asking for very few sick days. In general, railroad workers have this schedule where it's it's a rotation based schedule. so after they finish a job, they get put at the bottom of this list and you know the next person in line gets to sign the next job and then after they're done they get put at the bottom again. So it's this rotational thing. Mm-hmm. But because we have a railroad railroad worker shortage, <laughs> Everyone's getting put back on the list at an increasing rate. It's like if you have two uh. or three people and they're just swapping back and forth. And to the point where many of them, they don't have weekends or consistent days off. And I'm like, mm. I don't know if was like, they don't even have weekends off. I'm like, yo, like even even the worst, you know, office jobs, you have weekends, right? Like you have consistent breaks. They don't have that. And on top of that, whenever they... Ask for sick days or paid vacation, um, it like risks disciplinary action, which is also so terrible. Um, so I was like, wow, this is that I I would strike too. I mean that that is absolutely terrible. (laughs) Um let's start there. Um, what do you think?
1: Well, I thought it was interesting because you know, it's hard to get a group of people to kind of agree, do anything, whatever um this is 12 unions working together 12 railroad unions working together and they were like yeah no these conditions are bad do you know how bad it is for 12 separate groups to all agree on one thing that something is bad like
0: yeah yeah awful yeah yeah that's true i was like in, i mean in general the u.s railway system is already so bad okay <laughs> let's not try to make it worse or try to stiff the workers Um this this protest, it did remind me um, a lot about pilots as well. There's so much going oh, yeah. on with airline pilots right now. You know, COVID also you know reduced the pilot population. We have a pilot shortage. They are also complaining about scheduling issues, you know, lifestyle. Like this is the, that's the main thing. It's like people aren't getting sleep. They don't have control of their time. They have no weekends. That's that's like the main complaint. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, and I guess moving on a little bit. So they're, they're planning on striking on December 9th, and uh, you know, unless the bosses gave the unions like a better deal, but um, they have not. to the end, it's so bad that Joe Biden stepped in, and he's stepping in to, again, force a deal that is not that great for the, union, for the unions. Um, very ironic because Joe Biden's nickname is Union Joe, um, but now he is sort of like anti-Union Joe.
1: Where who called him Union Joe? Uh, that's
0: his nickname. He's had that for a who, while. Who gave him uh, that nickname? <laughs> Maybe himself. I don't
1: know. I don't. I don't like
0: it. <laughs> UJ. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I. Uh, I feel like it's what people really mean, like when they say supply chain issues, right? Like no one. They would rather not talk about any union or organizing efforts, so they're just going to call it supply chain issues. That's my conspiracy theory of the episode. Yeah.
0: No. I mean, every headline has framed this as like an issue about the economy. So like yeah. there, there was one article that was like, oh, the lawmakers are trying to prevent a strike from the rail workers because that would have a devastating effect on economic recovery. It's like the part that we never mention about ec- the economy is that like the people who are suffering right now are the workers.
1: Yeah, and I mean like I don't think I mean, you know, I'm just like a measly office worker, but like, I just don't think the economy is worth sacrificing 115,000 rail workers. I don't know. That's just me. And like, you know, you're talking about pilots, we're talking about rail workers. I feel like, you know, we're talking about quality of life and, you know, making sure they get enough rest, you know, quality of life. I feel like these are not people... You want sleepy? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> I don't want. I don't want a rail worker. I don't want a pilot who hasn't felt rested.
0: <laughs> okay, <exactly. laughs> yeah. I want it's you like, guys
1: to be happy and healthy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> kind dude, of selfishly, is, uh, but still.
0: Uh, it's like one wrong turn, and we could just you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, go really, really bad. Uh, and. Again, it's like they're not—they're truly not asking for that much. And there are so many stories about rail workers and how they tried requesting a day off, and and they were either rejected or they were punished. And it's it's so villainous because the railroad bosses, like the companies, are like, "Oh, we give them opportunity to take days off," but the truth is like they make it as hard as possible. They reject a lot of requests. They do punish them and that's why they're striking like it, so again a small mm. lesson in like don't believe what a boss says about how they're fairly treating the workers if they were fairly treated there would not be 100,000 people striking
1: right let me let me translate that for white collar listeners so you if you have an office with unlimited PTO it's like when you put in your time off or you know PTO and then your coworkers or your boss either a you know uh, reject that, or B, they pile on a lot of work before and after to the whole point where you end up canceling your PTO yeah. altogether <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. and never get to use your unlimited PTO. That's what that's like. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I think another hot point about this is that it really shows who is progressive and who is not. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Two members of the squad, AOC, you know, of course, and Ilhan Omar, they both voted against the workers and so so they, they voted in support of the bill that Joe Biden's enforcing, basically saying like every union <sighs> member shut up and listen to the boss. Like Joe Biden's whole thing is like he's trying to shut down the unions, right?
1: Right. right. Like,
0: but every single article frames this in such a weird way. It's like, oh yeah, we shut down the strike. It was like that's not good. Like it's just yeah. so weird how it's all being framed. You know, like this bill is not good for the workers. And like AOC, Ilhan Omar, um, also it's like um, what's his name? Like Jermaine Williams. Um oh. the public advocate of New York New York also it's it's like it's like, you know, who is really progressive on the you know, labor issues, you know?
1: That's super interesting. I didn't know that about um when I was doing research, I also was reading about progressives and how they voted. And I thought that was interesting because um they a New York Times article talked about how both ends of the spectrum were actually like coming together so it was um there's a senator josh hawley he was like the first senator to object like the certification of joe biden's victory in 2020 um he voted in in support of the workers alongside elizabeth warren which Mm. was which was wild like he he was he like tweeted something about like if we're gonna be republicans for the for the working class, we have to support the workers or something like, something like that. I was like, (laughs) what? Yeah, that was, that was really, um, so I think that's like a a silver line. I hesitate to call it a silver lining, but like there's something nice about hearing both progressives and conservatives vote together, you know, like they both, like the ones who voted in favor supporting the workers, It was interesting to hear them agree for once, I feel like. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it just shows that the issue of class is something that, you know, Republicans and Democrats can, like, sometimes see eye to eye on, Mm -hmm. but it it also just shows, like, the fakeness of some progressives. It's like, you know, people like AOC, they can say the right things about, like, race and, like, gender and sexuality, but when it comes to class and workers, it's like, I feel like it's a toss-up between Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I so, I really I really feel like, you know, this was like this could have been an easy win.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean I feel like it's yeah. Easy win but also a litmus test. That's that's how I see yeah, this whole thing. Yeah. yeah. It's that's truly a good point. truly a litmus test. It's like even Union Joe is like, you know, fuck the workers. We need the economy. We need those Christmas presents going. But I don't know. It's like
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean they yeah. also deliver coal so yeah. you know <laughs> energy
0: yeah and it's like dude if you really value this stuff that much just give the workers what they want hire more workers like you shouldn't be trying to squeeze everything out of them because i don't uh, you know they haven't told december 9th and so i guess we have you know a few more days to see what happens but i'm kind of hoping that the wor- the last two unions just just hold their ground and then start striking on the 9th
1: so like i don't did you come up Did you were you able to find the answer to this in your research? Like, what is stopping workers from just like quitting?
0: Oh, I mean, they a lot of them already are. That's why we have this whole you know, that whole rotational schedule thing that got faster and faster. It's because a lot of railroad workers already are quitting. So, I'm not surprised Uh, if more people, you know, more will like mm -hmm. that's what tends to happen when your working conditions like suck ass.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye out on that because. I mean, it's the holiday season, like Joe said, and uh, things might get worse.
0: Yeah, but moving on to our final topic. So this is also a very timely situation. So there is a Senate runoff election in Georgia uh, between two people. First person, Reverend Raphael Warnock, who is a Democrat, and Herschel Walker, who is the Republican. The title of the article um, is titled Asian American voters could help decide the Senate runoff in Georgia. Um, I'll I'll start with that much. Jerry, what is one thought you had on the situation?
1: So the article said that Asian Americans make up roughly 4.7% of the state's electorate. Uh And like, normally I would like scoff at this number, like, ha ha, that's less than 5%. But I think that's like the number that Kathy Hochul won by, so it's <laughs> it's not a number to scoff at anymore. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: even less than that. I think it was like two or something. But it's important in this case because um, Herschel Walker and I mean, I'll just call them Warnock and Warnock and Walker. Like they they truly like almost tied. It was like maybe one percent max. It was a really 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 thin margin, uh, uh. and so that's that's why. Even if the Asian-American population is so small, it does matter. Um, I feel like also just from an Asian-American per- Asian perspective, Georgia might matter a little bit more there because, you know, the Atlanta spa shootings happened there. There are a yeah. lot of people living in Georgia. Um, so I'm sure that that might play a role as well.
1: Yeah. And I thought it was um, I, I, the AAPI Victory Fund um, s- said that they were sponsoring a rally that will feature Eric nam Daniel Day Kim, <laughs> and Minjin Lee. Um, and I was just like, you know what? Play the representation card.
0: Do yeah, what you exactly. need to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like playing specifically to like this. I, I feel like Asian yuppies, you know, who are yeah, like really yeah, into yeah. pop, really into pop culture style. Um yeah. And like like the whole reason everyone's even talking about Georgia is because if Georgia wins, then Democrats would have one more vote in the Senate, like it would be fifty-one forty-nine, if they won. If they lost, then it would be fifty-fifty, and Kamala would have to be the tie-breaking vote every single time.
1: Yikes! Um,
0: but fifty-one forty-nine would just give them like a clear like victory in the Senate, since there's only a hundred people.
1: Yeah,
0: just barely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Only just barely squeaking it by.
1: And does uh, is, is what's that? Does Joe Manchin even count for real? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's
0: true. You Manchin <laughs> in a cinema, right? Christina cinema.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> and I know before we talked about how in New York, like Kathy Hochul was going against also a a Trump clone, right? Lee Zeldin, yeah, right. And likewise, I'm sure in every other state, this is a similar situation. Like Raphael Warnock, he's a Democrat. You know, he on, on paper at least he he looks good. He's like you know for high you know I, I guess for context, both of these people are also black men. Um so s- same race and gender but you know Warnock has more I guess traditional values not traditional like more democratic values on oh, like okay. abortion and like minimum wage and stuff like that and Herschel Walker um he was on Trump's Council of Sports Fitness and Nutrition <laughs> Neat. um he he is a really famous like football player apparently he won a Heisman trophy um, but he he was encouraged by Trump to run um, in this Senate election in
1: 2022. Uh, yeah, I I have no notes on that. I think okay. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Like I feel like, yeah, I I, I what? As long as he's not a doctor, I guess. Like, I, I, yeah, he's not a doctor, right?
0: No, no, he's he's literally just a football player, like. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's just a football player who really supported Trump. Um, you know, election denier, you cool. know, on the president's council, like the cl- you know lies about being a good businessman. Um, like every single thing. And and I've only been following this loosely because Herschel Walker. Um, he's the dad of you know Christian Walker.
1: Yeah, the, I think I blocked him on TikTok. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, he's like a conservative TikToker, but yeah, Walker. Um. Uh, truly just another Trump clone. Like he, I found it really funny when he was talking about the green new deal, he was against it because quote, we don't control the air. Our good air decided to float over to China's bad air. So when China gets our good air, the bad air got to move. And so it came over to our former good air space. And I
1: was like, <laughs> You're making that up. There's no, no, no way no, that's no. a real, quote. It's like a real quote. Y- you're playing.
0: <laughs> it sounds like he said like the good air gentrified the bad air or something I was Like no, what am there's, I reading?
1: There's no way that's real. That that's <laughs> that sounds amazing. Made- gentrified is too big of a word for that. Yeah, for the yeah. the level of that sentence just then.
0: Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> yeah, like like Herschel Walker has so many controversies, whole Wikipedia on it. Um, TLDR is, you know, father to many secret children, Uh, a lot of domestic violence um, involving uh, weapons, Uh, paid for two secret abortions for women he got pregnant, um, which is especially ironic because he is very anti-abortion. Yeah. Of course, until it comes to his own life. Uh, And the only reason many Republicans are voting for him is because he's not Warnock. That's it.
1: See, I feel like... Has... has... (laughs) i feel like my brain was just born yesterday has american politics always been like this like yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. a sense of like oh well, i'm voting for this guy just because he's not that other guy uh,
0: yeah exactly exactly uh,
1: <laughs>
0: uh even um the L- lieutenant governor of georgia he was like herschel Walker's one of the worst candidates in gop history oh my gosh was, they just, he's just not the other guy that's a lit- I'm like it's it's truly like at, at what at what point do you stop voting for the republican you know just because he's republican
1: yeah i mean like wasn't that joe biden's whole campaign though i'm not trump yeah, that was exactly. it i'm union joe yeah yeah, <true>. um, <laughs> joe. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> herschel walker's like i'm not warnock that's it i'm not yeah. warnock right
1: yeah right. yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. but um yeah, you know, if you're Asian and listening to this in Georgia, um, I'll say go out to vote. This, this does seem like a really important election with very thin margins. So truly every single person could make a difference.
1: Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, I think that's a that's a good happy note to end on. <laughs> um, that's that's it for this episode. Um, if you could help us out, give us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It's free, and it takes literally a second. You could probably do it by the time I finish this closing segment. Um, You can follow us on Instagram, at Politically Asian Podcast. We post memes occasionally. We'll get better at that. And on Twitter, at Politic Asian Pod. Um, That's it. Uh, Until next time. Bye! Bye!